Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Well, we have been talking for the last several months, if you've been with us, about how to be made right with God. And I suspect that for some of you joining us here this morning in the room or some of you joining online, being right with God is not top of mind for you right now. There's maybe something else that's top of mind. Maybe you have your own financial concerns in in your own situation. Maybe you have medical concerns. You have a family member who is suffering. So maybe you came this morning believing, hoping that you're going to find some peace from God. You're you're wanting to come to God for peace, for hope, for, for some kind of help. And being right with him, that isn't top of mind for you right now. So that, that's okay if, if that's the case for you. I'm glad you're here. We're all glad that you're here. And, and I hope that you will discover this morning what many of the rest of us have discovered, which is that being right with God is the path to finding peace and hope from God. So that actually is the path. And and we're learning that in Romans. We see it encapsulated in the key verse of Romans, which we're gonna quiz you on. Again, if you're new, you're exempt from this quiz. But let's put up the, uh, the blanks here, and I want you to fill in the blanks for me. This is the core message of Romans. The one who by is shall. See, the one who by faith is right with God not the one who by our effort is right with God, because we, we can't get right with God by our effort. So the one who by faith is right with God shall live. And we're gonna get, I'm so excited as we continue through this study because we're gonna get to the part in Romans and we're getting there soon that starts to talk about what life looks like, what, what it looks like to live according to God's definition. So we're gonna get there. Right now, we're still talking about what does it look like to, to have faith and to be righteous, to be right with God by faith. It's by faith, not our efforts. It is a free gift by faith in Jesus Christ. And that's exactly where some of us get hung up. Because getting a free gift feels an awful lot like a handout. And there's a lot of us, probably particularly in Bucks County, that we, we kind of chafe at the idea of a handout. I don't, I don't need a handout. I can do it myself, thank you. You know, I've worked really hard, I've gotten my education, I've done this, I've done that. I can do it myself. And so what we do very often is we kind of transform the idea of coming to Jesus into this. We say, okay, we, we know we somehow need Jesus to be part of the equation. So we're like, okay, Jesus did his part. Now I, I need to add my part. I, I've got to contribute something. that I can't just take a handout. I've got to kind of try to 
pay back a little bit or I've got to make my contribution. And so here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll, I'll go to church. I'll, I'll read my Bible. I will give to, to people who are in need. I'll, I'll try to follow the Ten Commandments. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my part to add to, to what Jesus has done. I appreciate what Jesus has done, but I'm, I'm going to add what I need to do here. That's a very common approach. It sounds reasonable, and it is 100% wrong. And I want to say to you this morning that when you think you are adding to what Jesus has done, you are actually nullifying the benefit of what he has done for you, and you're missing it completely. So we're gonna talk this morning about how that works and how we can not miss what Jesus has done for us. If you would take a Bible and turn with me to Romans chapter four. We are continuing in this series learning how to be right with God, which is the core message of Romans, it is the, it's the core message of all of Scripture. It is actually the thing that we all should be most concerned about because being right with God is the foundation of being right with other people, of being right with ourselves, of being right with creation. It is the foundational piece that is out of sorts in our world and what needs to be put back Right, so last week, Jeremy shared how our works do not make us right with God. And that is actually the first of three add-ons in chapter four of Romans that compete with our faith and threaten to negate the true trust that actually makes us right with God. So the three add-ons that we're gonna look at here this morning are works, circumcision, and law. So first, Paul says, we are made right with God by faith apart from works. So I wanna just briefly recap what Jeremy talked about last, last Sunday because it sets the context for today. Let's start back in verse three of chapter four. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wow, we're in stereo. That's cool. Don't you love that? That happens to me all the time when I open my Bible and it starts reading to me when I've been reading for it. Anyway, it's beautiful. All right, so verse three. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So what Jeremy talked with us last week about is that salvation is a gift, not a paycheck. We do not put God in our debt by the things that we do. Either we work to be counted right with God, and so God owes us, which is impossible because we cannot measure up to what God asks of us, or, or our rightness with God is credited as a gift. 
And that is the case with Abraham and with David. That's what we saw last week, which is really important to Paul to make the point, to bring Abraham and David into this conversation because he says this whole idea of being made right with God, not by works, but by faith, is not new. It's very important to Paul to bring continuity. This is the same God. He's got the same requirements. And so he goes all the way back to Abraham and to David, and he said, they weren't justified by their works. They weren't made right with God by their works. They were made right with God by faith. And so now he's gonna go down, he's gonna drill down into one specific work, and that is circumcision. So verse nine, reading on in verse nine. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Okay, before we read on, we have to ask the question, what blessing is he talking about? Is this blessing? If you were here last week, you might recognize it, but we'll just go back two verses to verse seven. We're looking at the context here. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Oh, I love that song that we sang earlier. Just one drop can make us clean. How, how blessed are those whose sins are covered by the blood. Verse eight, blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Verse nine is this blessing, that's the blessing it's talking about, being forgiven, having our sins covered over. Is that only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So sometimes we will read a, a passage like that and I will ask you, what's the key word? And what's the key theme there? I'm not gonna do that today, all right? So not asking that. Paul, Paul says we are made right with God by faith, not circumcision. They're mutually exclusive as a path to being made right with God. And we, we need to understand how radical this was for the Jewish people who were listening to this, this letter. This was, this was blowing their, their circuits. This was a major issue that Paul needed to address because circumcision was the sign of the covenant that God had made with the Jewish people. And so let me take you back to that in Genesis 17, put this on the screen. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has, been, he has broken my covenant. So, I mean, what this verse is basically saying is you need to be cut on or be cut off. <laughs> I mean, not to be too, too graphic with this, but this is what Jews have always believed, that this was a necessary act for being right with God or else you're gonna be cut off. Now, Paul is writing to these believers in Rome. It's a mixed group. Some of them are Jews, 
Some of them are Gentiles. And he's talking to some Gentile male listeners who are not circumcised. And the question from the Jewish background believers is, don't, don't they need to do this too? I mean, we've always needed to do this. Don't they need to do it too? So before we, before we address that and look at what Paul says about that, let me just, let's do a sidebar here for a moment and ask the question, why this sign? Why did God pick this sign for the covenant? And why isn't there something for women to do in this? I've had that question from people before. What, how, how do we put this uh, to, together? Um, two thoughts on that. First, let, let's listen to what God said when he gave this covenant, okay? Genesis 17, verse seven. He said, I will establish my covenant between me and you. He's talking to Abraham and to your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. So God's saying, Abraham, this covenant is not just for you, it's for all the generations, all the descendants who will come after you, all the descendants that you will produce. They will come from your body. How do they come from from your body? Well, by your, they're your offspring. That word, that Hebrew word is actually seed. It's, it's the word seed. I mean, it's referring to the, the part that males play in producing descendants. So it makes sense that the covenant would first of all be tied to and linked to what passes down the covenant. And an even deeper reason we find in the next chapter of Romans, Romans 5. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. All right, we're stopping in the middle of a sentence there, but we will pick that up next month when we get to Romans 5 and we'll delve into this some more. But the point that I wanna make today is that the man was held responsible for sin that entered into the world. It it says sin came into the world through one man. This is interesting because in Genesis 3, the woman is the one who took the forbidden fruit, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and she's the one who ate. So there's a technical aspect in this where the woman disobeyed, but we also find in Genesis 3 that the man was standing there with her watching all of this happen passively and did not intervene, did not exercise the authority that God had invested in him. We'll we'll get into this much more next month, but God God holds the man responsible for sin entering into the world. And so the sign of the covenant is closely linked to the passing on of the sin nature. There's this beautiful aspect as we think about how the... (laughs) The covenant, the promise that God was giving to Abraham was countering the curse that came because of sin. And all of it is tied to passing on to generations. And so that's one reason, at least, why God chose that as a picture, as a sign. So having said all of that, now we're back to Romans 4. 
The sign of circumcision was sacred, sacred in the mind of the Jewish people. And now Paul is here saying, it's not necessary to be made right with God. You don't have to do that anymore. And they're listening to that, and in our language today, they're, they're hearing that, the Jewish people are hearing that, and they're going, what? Like, what? That, that there's no, no way. But here's what Paul, here's how Paul responds. Here's how he defends his point. Verse 11, Abraham received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The, the early church wrestled with this tremendously. Um, the first church council that we see in Acts chapter 15 was all, all about this issue. Acts 15.1 says, some men came down from Judea, were teaching the brothers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. They were saying this has to be a necessary part of this. And if we read further in Acts 15, we would see that they came to a clear decision to say, you do not need to be circumcised to be a follower of Jesus. It's faith in Jesus. And, and one of the last things I'm gonna say on this topic this morning is, if you're new with us this morning, we don't talk about this every week, all right? We don't, we don't talk about <laughs> sensitive topics like this, which I'm very thankful for. I, I said to the other pastors this morning, this is kind of funny, like, I, I get some flack from Jeremy and Steve from time to, especially Steve, from time to time, because as the sermon schedule plays out, sometimes it will happen, like I'll be going out of town or something on a weekend, and he's like, okay, he's like, I'm preaching on this. I've got this long of a passage to deal with, and I get this flack, and I said to them this week, I'm like, I, no more flack from you, because I'm dealing with this this week, and so I don't wanna hear it. Don't whine to me. All right, circumcision, circumcision. Last thing we'll say here is that that sign was, a, was specific to the covenant that God was making with the Jewish people. There is now a new sign for a new covenant, and that sign is baptism. So just as circumcision was done once for the, for the Jewish people, baptism is done once for, for us. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So as, as circumcision was the sign of faith following Abraham's faith, baptism is the sign that follows our faith. And baptism is a next step for some of you who have put your faith in Christ and have not engaged in that, that act yet. We're gonna be doing baptisms next week and we're actually gonna be doing baptisms over the next couple of months because we, there is an explosion of students in our youth ministry who are wanting to be baptized, so excited. But, and we also have some adults thrown in with that as well, so super excited. If you have not taken that step of expressing your faith, if you have an inward faith that you've placed in Christ and you haven't yet done that outward display of saying, I wanna be a follower of Jesus, then please let any of us know on staff, because we wanna get you into that mix and we wanna celebrate with you and help you take that next step. Now, let me say this about baptism. There are some that teach that baptism is a necessary step for you to be right with God. That if you're not baptized, then you're not fully, fully saved. 
And what I would have to say to someone who says that is, you need to spend some time reading Romans chapter four. Because even if you don't see the connection between baptism as a replacement for, for circumcision, you can still go back to what Jeremy talked to us last week about works. That baptism would be a work that we do, and we don't add anything to what Jesus has, has done. It, when, we, when we try to add anything, whether it is baptism or some requirement to give a certain amount or some requirement to go to church a number of times, we are in serious danger of nullifying the work of Christ that is sufficient to save us. We do not add to it. That's what Paul is teaching us here, that being made right with God comes through faith in Jesus plus nothing. It's faith in Jesus plus nothing. And as I share that with you, I am, I am quoting our previous senior pastor, Chris McCluskey, who, who shared that years ago, probably a decade ago, and I still hear, in just fact, a couple of weeks ago, somebody quoted that to me, and that's what planted it in my mind. I was like, that's the perfect encapsulation of everything that's being said here in Romans chapter four. So thanks to you. Chris, for, for planting that seed that is still bearing fruit. We are not made right. Here's what we see in Romans chapter four. We're not made right with God through faith in Jesus plus works or faith in Jesus plus circumcision or thirdly, faith in Jesus plus the law. Verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law, so people who keep the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there's no law, there's no transgression. The law brings wrath, the purpose of the law is that it shows us how not right with God we are. The law doesn't make us right with God. Obeying the law doesn't make us right with God. It shows us how not right with God we are. We are made right with God by faith apart from the law. God does not require both. They are mutually exclusive as a path to being right with God. Long before the law, Abraham was given a promise in verse 13, the promise to Abraham and his offspring, his seed, that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. That promise we see in Genesis chapter 12, verse three. God said, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Paul says the law was not given as a path to be right with God, verse 16. That's why it depends on faith. In order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, the father of all the families of the earth. We are made right with God through faith in Jesus plus nothing. So two weeks ago, 
we looked at the purpose of the law. I mean, if God gave the law not for us to obey, then what is it for? And we looked at, at several purposes, and I won't, I'll summarize here. You can go back a couple of weeks and, and look at that. I think it was just two, two weeks ago. Here, here are some of the purposes of the law. It reveals the character of God. It shows his perfection. It shows how important it is for things to be clean before him, for us to not harm one another through our, our sins. It established the law, the Jewish law established norms for their society. They didn't know how to live as a people. They had been in slavery for, for generations under the Egyptians. So they had to learn what does it look like for us to have a society and how do we interact with each other? It established those norms. And most importantly, it shows, shows us how not right with God we are and how much we humbly need his forgiveness and his grace. We're made right with God through faith in Jesus plus nothing. We're made right with God as Abraham was. Verse three, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And I'll give you a sneak preview of next week. Okay, jump down to verse 23. The words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord that's the sneak peek for next week. I don't wanna to give too much away. It is gonna be so awesome. I'm so excited about the next two weeks uh, leading up to Easter. And next week is the season finale, okay? You know, we're, we're dividing Romans into four seasons, and the first season is all about God's righteousness displayed through universal condemnation. It's been a downer. We're ready to move on from that. Next week is the season finale of that before we launch into Romans chapter five. Super excited about that. But before we get there, okay, as we end today, I'm gonna ask you again something that Jeremy asked last week, and that is this. Why are you here this morning? If you serve, why do you serve? Why are you baptized? Why do you seek, if you seek to obey commandments, why do you do that? All of those things are really good things to do to honor God and to express your gratitude to him. All of those things are terrible things to do to get right with God. They, they will not make you right with God. They actually, you trying to get right with God by doing those things, you are nullifying the work that Jesus has done for you because you can't add to it. Your motivation is everything. So if, if you, like me at times, wrestle with trying to do your part to add to what Jesus has done, then you can join me in spending some extra time in Romans 4, verse 3, and Romans 4, verses 23 and 24, those verses that we just looked at. It's, it's credited to us, not because of things we do, 
Righteousness is credited to us. Being right with God is credited to us, not based on what we do, but by faith in Jesus plus nothing. Can I just say that spending time and, and meditating on verses like that, that's the way our minds, we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, by thinking the way God thinks. God, this doesn't feel right. This isn't the way people around me operate. That's okay. We need to align our thoughts and saturate our thoughts with the way God thinks, and then we are transformed. Paul will say this later in Romans. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind and then our behavior will follow that. Some of you are, you're, you're coming every Sunday, and you're like, okay, when are we gonna get to, like, just what do I do? Like, how do I handle my spouse? How do I handle my kids? You're, you're waiting for the practical stuff. It will come, but I'm just gonna tell you that it is the smaller part of the book of Romans. Most of the book of Romans is about changing the way we think because our thinking is so warped by the world around us. And until our thinking has been renewed, and until we think like God, our behavior doesn't have a hope. <laughs> but when we begin to think like God, our behavior follows from that. Righteousness is credited to us who fully trust that we are made right with God through faith in Jesus plus nothing. Can you just breathe a sigh at that and say, wow, what a relief that this isn't on my shoulders, that he's taken it off of me? Maybe some of you have never experienced that relief at all. Would, would you not leave today without calling on Jesus and saying, I want that freedom. I, I want you plus nothing. And and please come after the service. We would love the opportunity to talk with you more about that, pray with you more about that. Because when, when we come to Jesus alone plus nothing, then we get to relate to God, not out of duty, but out of devotion. Not out of fear, but out of love. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your unbelievably gracious provision for your unbelievably courageous and loving sacrifice. As we sang that song earlier today, I, I was almost weeping, thinking about how you sacrificed and suffered and shed your perfect, holy, innocent blood so that my stains, the stains of my sin and my self-centeredness and my selfishness that still surfaces all the time, Jesus, I thank you that your blood covers over all of that and you credit to me righteousness, a right standing with God. Lord, we're, we, we will be forever grateful for your expression of love that way. Lord, for the heart this morning that is right now wrestling with what they've heard today, because they're recognizing that, that really following Christ really does come down to receiving a handout because we, we, can't, we can't contribute to it. We can't do it ourselves. Lord, that is a point of pride that is hard sometimes to overcome. Would you push 
those walls down? Would you break those walls down right now in hearts and bring people to an understanding of their need for a savior? Thank you for your love for us and for providing that way through Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen.